Welcome to the Outback Incubator, home of the future of work, industry and people, with your host, I4O's Oliver Kelly. G'day everybody, welcome to the next episode of the Outback Incubator. Today, incredibly happy to um, be able to talk to Tammy Fry from the Fry Family Food Company, which is now part of the Live Kindly group. Tammy has been known to me for a few years. She's very passionate about her subject matter, which is her vision of the future of food. She's uh, one of the most recognized business women globally in the food industry, particularly in the uh, plant-based food industry. She's a fifth Dan black belt in karate, mother of two, uh, wife and advocate for healthy living and plant-based nutrition. So I hope you enjoy my interview with her and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Welcome back to the Outback Incubator. My name's Oliver Kelly and we're here as always to talk about the future of work industry and people. And today we have another interview for you today from Noosa Heads, which is my hometown and the hometown of our prestigious guest that we have today. I'd like to welcome to the show, Tammy Fry. Thanks, Ali. Thanks for having me. No problem. Welcome aboard, Tammy. There's a lot to talk about today, but I think the first thing that we could probably do with is uh, if you could introduce yourself for the listeners, please, and let them know who you are and where you've come from, and then we can get into some discussion. Of course, I'm, well, I hate talking about myself and what I've done, but um, I am the marketing director for the Fry Family Food Company, which is a plant-based meat food company established in 1991. It's our family business. Um, I am also the PR and comms director for the Live Kindly Company, which is a global company that has a portfolio of plant-based brands. I'm also the founder of Meat Free Mondays, South Africa and Australia, and still direct those two campaigns. And I'm a mum of two boys, um, but passionate about all things plant-based. And having been born a vegetarian and to today where I'm uh, you know, a vegan and following a plant-based way of life and loving every step of it, enjoying the journey that I'm on and the progress that I'm making in my own life as far as nutrition and food goes. We're so pleased to have you on the show because ultimately you've achieved a lot already in your life and you have a lot of responsibility in your role and yet you're incredibly grounded. And I'm very proud to call you a friend, Tammy, and we live in the same hometown, obviously. It's kind of weird we're in COVID-19 at the moment and we're about a kilometre apart. And yet we're talking on Zoom together. So it's kind of weird, but I'm sure we'll get there between us today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, totally unprecedented times. And let's just hope that everybody's safe and, and healthy. And I think that's one of the topics we can touch on today is, you know, how do you stay strong and how do you keep a strong immune system? I'm sure this is not the first virus we're going to see and definitely not the last virus we're going to see. So <laughs> if people can look after themselves, number one, and treat their body as a temple, and adequately prepare themselves for unprecedented events such as this one. Um, and maybe that would be a good, uh, a good topic to chat about a little bit more as well. Absolutely. I'm, and I'm happy to start there, to be honest with you. I mean, habits are changing across the world in many different ways. Obviously, how we're communicating is changing and how we're generally living is changing. But one of the things that people are very focused on is their health, as you say. And so some people go and put a mask on because they think it's going to protect them. Though the case is that the mask is to protect everybody around you rather than yourself. But people are sort of having this knee-jerk reaction at the moment, which is 
oh, I'm going to take some turmeric and try and get my immune system a bit stronger in case I'm fortunate enough to contract COVID-19. But completely agree with what you're saying there. So, I mean, have you heard a lot of that in your community, in your network about people who are, wouldn't traditionally perhaps focus so much on what they're consuming but are now because they want to remain healthier? I think um, people have slowed down a lot and they're sitting in their homes and they're starting to think for the first time about the foods that they put on the table and how important those are to their and their family's health and how important health is. I mean, you know, all the money in the world, all the fancy cars and the fancy houses in the world, but when your health fails you, you suddenly realize, and when you are faced with this COVID-19 and you're seeing people in hospitals dying, it suddenly hits you pretty hard. And it's so much so that you're happy, quite happy to sit in your house so that you can avoid getting this virus and you're happy to lock down and not see anyone and go into a total fear state. We see, you know, non-communicable diseases at around 50% of the Western world suffering from lifestyle disease that is all preventable by the foods that we eat, the way that we exercise and the way we live our lives. And people now are saying, you know, if I'm one of these people with a non-communicable disease, one and two, I have a much higher chance of dying from COVID-19 because I'm compromised in my immune system. So this is a time where we can turn around and start making changes together with our family to start to build this immune system, which has been developed over, you know, as, as humanity has developed and is very strong if treated with care. And there's a number of ways that you can do that. And I've actually just written a blog post, which is about to go live and will be live by the time this podcast airs. And that is how do you go about doing that in the most simple way? What supplements should you take? There's a lot of information out there, but this is just going back to basics, the way you live your life, how to reduce stress and elevating your emotional state. Because believe it or not, happiness and joy and gratitude and an elevated emotional state builds the immune system. And um, there's studies that have been done and a lot of work by Joe Dispenza on this particular subject. Um, you know, eating foods from the ground, eating locally sourced foods, making sure that they're non-genetically modified and haven't been sprayed with pesticides, eating a wide variety of plants and vegetables and fiber, 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 um, which you don't get from meat and dairy. We need more fiber. Fiber is what supports the, the gut and therefore supports the immune system. So there's a lot of science behind that and I could probably talk for hours and hours because it's a real passion of mine, but um, I'm sure that's not the whole, uh, you know, why are we having this discussion today, but you can jump onto to the blog, uh, seedblog.com and I'm sure uh, Oliver will pop that uh, link up and you can find that article and just follow those simple steps. Keep your kids healthy, keep yourself healthy and build a strong immune system. Absolutely. We'll put that in the show notes. And, um, you know, it's, it's very powerful what you're saying there. And I think one of the points that you touched on is really important because obviously you live in a world of food, but I think for a lot of people, convenience has got in the way for them. And so when you say there's a lot of information out there, I think for many, they're probably waking up more in the last few years, but making good choices that are right for their body have not been that easy because the information about getting 
the right food in you has just been too complex for people unless they've really sat down and looked hard at the information that many people don't have a lot of spare time or have excuses not to have the spare time to be able to do that. I think for people now that it's being distilled down and it's being more, uh, it's easy for them to consume what is the right thing to do with that is probably making a difference. But I mean, how do you see that panning out with education for people across the spectrum, not just vegan people, of course, but people generally who want to make better decisions? Well, we live in an information age and um, this information is all easily accessible. It's just where do you put your health on the scale of what's important? And if health is sitting at top priority, which is where it should be, then you should spend the time investigating. You should spend the time finding out uh, more about the foods that you eat, where those foods come from, how those foods were fed. You know, you just look at the animal agriculture and uh, consider that 80% of the antibiotics in Australia are fed to livestock. And then you consume those, those antibiotics. And we know for a fact that consuming antibiotics disrupts the gut flora. And that's why they say once you've taken antibiotics, you must take probiotics to build back up the gut flora. So if you're consuming these antibiotics from a, a middleman being the cow or the animal or the chicken that's being fed these, these antibiotics, and then you consume that, you're creating a problem for yourself in the long run. So people really need to start investigating these things and looking into it and deciding how they want to buy for their family, where they want to buy from, who they trust, what brands do they trust. Start doing that research because it's going to count in the long run. It's going to count in the long run. And uh, we need to start having that discipline and focus and going out there and, and really uh, getting that knowledge for ourselves. And to be honest, once you're in touch with your own body, you will know what's working for you and what I don't want to sit here and say this one if you're vegan that's definitely going to work for you um but if you eat meat that's definitely not going to work for you uh, you need to go on that journey yourself and come to that conclusion yourself because only then will you believe it but I definitely would suggest giving plant-based living a go because if you've never done it you wouldn't know so I always say people should go out there and you know try these things for themselves do the necessary research find what resonates with you intuitively and then go with that for a while and see. And uh, Tammy, as you know, I'm not a vegan, okay, and it's not something that I feel passionately about. I'm anti-vegan, but I, I do eat meat. But having known you for a few years, one of the things that's always stood out to me is, you know, you're a leader in what you do on an international basis. Um, you're one of the heads of a, a major company that provides plant-based food. You're heavily involved in media around it and all that stuff. But you're certainly one of the least judgmental people I've ever met in my life. And I know that you always try and meet people where they are, which is an absolute credit to you. One of the things I do notice around the vegan, non-vegan issue is there can be a lot of divide around it. So obviously people who are vegan, some of those people feel very strongly and they want to share that, which is completely understandable because for all of the benefits that you've just described there. And then you have people on the other side of the fence who are proudly meat eating. You know, it's, it's probably a cultural thing. And one thing that we probably have to recognize is it, it is woven in many ways into different cultures around the world, whether it's how you prepare your meal, how it's uh, woven into different ceremonies and things like that. But what do you see is the best approach moving forward? And the reason I ask that is based on what you said there, which is, you know, there's been times where I've gone a few days without eating meat, not because 
of any particular mission that I'm on, but I just it almost felt like my body was saying that to me. And I thought, well, I'll give it, give it a go. And I felt pretty good after it. I actually lost some weight within a few days from doing that and did feel healthier. But then I went back to eating meat. So there's people all across that spectrum, but obviously divide is not a good thing for anybody. So what's your philosophy in regards to that? Yeah, um, of course, there are people that are very, very passionate about this and we need those people. Uh, I am actually one of those people that's also very passionate about that. And my biggest passion is not only nutrition, but animal welfare. Um, And that's what I was born to. And I was born to understand that one animal is not different from another animal just because we've given one a name. So for me personally, and this is just speaking from a personal standpoint, and it's definitely not an attack on anyone, but I don't see much of a difference between a dog being eaten in China or a cow being eaten in Australia because, you know, it's just, they're both animals. So I see them as being equals. And so therefore, if I wouldn't eat a dog, I wouldn't eat a cow. So that's, that's for me. But now you do have a lot of vegans that have come by veganism for animal rights and they're fighting for the voiceless. And we have to be compassionate to them because they feel very, very strongly that animals should not be treated in the way they're being treated. In the same way you would fight for um, children being trafficked or women being exposed to domestic violence. They feel as passionately about the animal welfare and the animal rights. And so, of course, they go out there and they fight very, very, very hard for animal rights. And they've actually made a lot of changes that are very good for the world as a result of their passion and their, you know, going out into the street and um, being that voice for animals. So they definitely play a very important part. And there's no way that I would turn on and say they're doing the wrong thing or the right thing. I don't know if I do the right thing either. Maybe I should be louder and more aggressive in my approach. But for the people on that, other side uh, it is definitely a time where consciousness is shifting and you need to start waking up to love for all things you need to understand that if you choose a certain food it might be affecting the amazon rainforest it might be chopping down trees and affecting the orangutans if you choose to eat fish how is that affecting the ocean because do you or don't you want to see an ocean full of fish And if you say, yes, I do, well, then you have to spend the time investigating where you're buying fish from. Is it sustainable? Is it correctly labeled? How has it affected the ocean when they caught this fish? Was it done by commercial fisheries? How much bycatch was there? You need to investigate that because as human beings, we have a responsibility, especially right now, to protect the earth, to protect the animals, and to understand that we are all connected. Every single one of us is connected to everything around us. So when we inflict harm in any way, shape, or form, just by the thing that we choose, where we spend our dollar, if we inflict harm, that harm goes on and on. It's like a It's like throwing a stone into a dam. And if you throw a huge stone, the waves that ripple to the edge and damage the shoreline will be big. But if you throw a small stone, those ripples will be smaller. So all I'm proposing is throw a smaller stone. If that means you're going to become a flexitarian, you're going to do meat-free Mondays, you're going to start reading your labels and finding out where your food comes from. All those things are important steps. And I'm going to applaud you along the way and say, that's a good job. You're becoming conscious. You're becoming a conscious consumer. You're spending your money where you should be spending your money. 
that's good. It is a journey. You can't expect one day to know nothing and tomorrow you know everything. But as I've gone along in my journey, I've realized a lot of things about the things that I buy, even down to the clothes. Where did they come from? Who made my clothes? Do I need to buy 10 t-shirts or do I just really only need one t-shirt? And those kind of decisions we'll be faced with as we become more conscious humanity. Absolutely. And um, it's a very objective way of looking at things. And when you put it in those words, Tammy, it doesn't actually sound like a big ask really to, uh, to educate yourself and make the right decisions in regards to that. And uh, I think with Meet Free Mondays that you described there, I'll have a look at what that's about. And in terms of bridging that gap between those who aren't interested in veganism, really, but may have some sort of awareness that they might like to make some sort of change in their diet, that seems like the perfect stepping stone, really. Whereas you say flexitarian or whatever, you don't have to jump into everything feet first in the first instance. You can take steps and educate yourself and see if it's for you. And um, as I say, I've said it already, I'm, I'm not a vegan, but as a result of that kind of approach, which is a moderate approach for those who aren't sure, it could potentially open their eyes to something that they had no idea was there. Yeah, it's a slow learning curve, you know, and as you get older, as I'm discovering, it seems to get a bit slower. (laughs) But um, for sure, uh, you know, just doing a simple thing, let me quantify this. If you decide to do meat-free Monday, one day, just one day, and you cut out, maybe you had a steak usually on a Monday night, and now you don't have the steak, the impact that you have on a water resource is 5,530 litres of water that you save by choosing to eat plants instead of the steak. That can be a plant-based meat because plant-based meat comes from plants or it can be plants themselves or it can be grains. These have a much smaller water footprint. Now, to quantify 5,530 litres, because that's a big number, that's equal to a seven-minute shower every day for 50 days. That's one meal. We talk about one meal. That's the impact that you've had just by choosing to not eat steak on that day. 70% of the monoculture crops that we grow are not fed to human beings, nor are they used for biofuels. 70% of monoculture crops are fed to the 98 billion animals that we plan to slaughter. So when they cut down rainforests to plant soy and corn, It's not because they intend to feed more people. It's because they intend to feed more animals. And it's an inefficient protein equation. They're taking this monoculture crop, they're feeding it to a cow or a chicken, and then the protein is converted into muscle tissue, which then you consume, where you could just get it directly from the plant and not have all that damage inflicted. And you think about this, and one child, I'm from Africa, one child will die of malnutrition every 45 seconds while someone sits there and says, I love steak. And so, you know, you have to make that connection. You've got to start to realize that when you have your steak, this is my steak. When you have my steak, you are inflicting damage on other things. So yes, by all means, if it's something that's that important to you, do it. But try and do it less often. Try and have less of an impact. 18% of the global greenhouse gas emissions, and some estimates say up to 51% of global greenhouse gas emissions come from raising cattle and chickens for slaughter. So if we want to slow down global warming, and that's important to us, we just had the fires in Australia, which was, you know, before COVID, (laughs) it was a huge thing. And people all said, yeah, global warming, global warming. What can we do? Should we put more fire breaks in? No, if we just had to all cut out eating some meat, we would have a huge impact into global greenhouse gas emissions. We would reduce them significantly, significantly. 
less pollution, less greenhouse gas emissions. So there are so many different things that spin off from one meal. I've just given you three examples and I could keep going. I could, I could talk about this all day. There are so many spin-offs to making that choice that are good for the planet. Not maybe not, I'm not talking about you, not just you, but for the planet, for the animals, for the oceans. And um, cows are the biggest ocean predators. They eat more fish than human beings do. They use fish meal and they feed it to cattle. So most people don't know these things. And, and I really urge people to start looking into it. There's fantastic documentaries that if you're interested, there's Cowspiracy, they're free on Netflix. There's a lot of documentaries you can go and watch and just start enlightening yourself and then uh, make decisions what you feel is best. What are your next steps for yourself and for your family? One of the themes that's come through in this podcast series so far, Tam, is um, not that it was designed this way, but existential threats seem to pop up every episode that I have. And some of those feed into what you've just said there, particularly in the first interview that I did of the series with um, a futurist called Dr. Richard Haynes who has a vast knowledge of everything that's happening in our expanded now, he calls it. Um, he was making the point that the systems that we've developed since when he was born, which was mid-40s, I believe, there's 2 billion people on the planet. And he said, well, I'm still here, and there's 7.7 billion people on the planet now. And the point he was making was the systems haven't really developed, and the world has in terms of civilization and growth, um, et cetera, right? So it would appear that it's not sustainable. We've got finite resources. We know that we're using way too many resources with the current agriculture methods. My two questions are, how, to, to what extent are big business going to release their grip on that? And secondly, how do we actually affect change in your opinion in the short time frame that we have to do it before these existential threats become a reality for us? Well, ultimately, the power belongs with the consumer. And so how the consumer spends their dollar will does determine the future. So, you know, there are so many brands that have come into the marketplace that are, I would call conscious brands that are looking at where they buy their ingredients from. And Fries is definitely one of those brands. We've been looking at where our ingredients come from for 30 years. We only, we eat our own food. So we really look at those ingredients in depth. What is the impact on the planet? What is the impact on our health? Do we want to buy genetically modified soy or ingredients? No. So we choose non-GMO despite the cost to our company. And we're making those choices every single day to have a, a conscious, a fully conscious brand. Is it perfect? No. Is it uh, the fruit that dropped off the organic tree? No, it's definitely not. But it is definitely better than a lot of other types of foods we could be consuming. So looking out for those brands and um, shopping for those brands uh, and supporting the smaller guys will definitely go a long way to changing the whole world. And that can happen pretty quickly because you just have to say, okay, I'm not buying that anymore. I'm going to start buying this. And it might be a little bit more expensive. And that's where I think the difficulty is going to come in is to reallocate your dollar to making a difference in the world. And instead of maybe buying an extra T-shirt or another pair of trainers, maybe it's starting to have a positive impact, you know, as an individual and uh, to help the planet. We need lots of people that we need everyone to be doing that. And if everybody's doing that, then we'll see rapid change. 
and we'll see a completely different picture. Five, 10, 15 years from now, a completely different picture. And it's not, you can't say, you know, I'm just one guy, so like what I do is not going to make a difference. It's our personal choices and actions can help change the world. And you have to believe that. You have to have hope that that's true. And then share with your friends, you know, help your friends along this journey too. If you've watched a documentary that you really enjoyed, share that with someone because if you can influence more people, maybe what you do in your life only has a small influence. But if you get 10 friends to do the same thing, now, you know, your impact is greater. So I think we can change the way we do things. But biodynamic farming is a very, very interesting subject as well. You know, moving away from sprays, pesticides, and starting to redevelop the land in the way it was supposed to be, build up the soils again. Um, and there's a lot of work being done by uh, Dr. Zach Bush in the USA. And I believe he's doing a lot of work here in Australia too to move over to biodynamic farming. I mean, a lot of people say in Australia, if you don't eat meat, you're going to harm the farmers. But no, just the crop has to change. The way that things are being done has to change. In fact, it might benefit the small-scale farmer that we're talking about. This might actually benefit them. Where people start moving away from mass-produced food, you know, and, and animals and feedlots and, and moving to the organic system where cows are free-ranging the farmer can charge the true price of that meat and people will buy it because they understand what the value is for them. So this might benefit farmers. This is not an anti, you know, plant-based diets is not supposed to damage anyone's income. It's just about changing the way we do things as human beings. If you need to change the crop from cows to plant-based milks, then do that. Start growing almonds and producing. There are many, many stories of people that are doing that. Uh, so very, very successfully and becoming very profitable businesses again. I can, there's so much passion in what you're saying, and that's such a great thing. I mean, obviously, you live and breathe this every day, but you just exude passion for this. And, um, and you obviously want to share that with, with the world around you, which is um, a very noble thing. Uh, what's the data <laughs> looking like for the uptake of plant-based diet? Is it that the younger generations are growing more? I mean, what, what, generally, how fast is this thing snowballing from what you've seen? Well, the estimates say that by 2040, plant-based meat, so I'll talk about the plant-based meat category, is estimated to reach 9% of the $2.7 trillion meat industry. So that's 10% market share. But aside from the, the big numbers, plant-based is really taking off. Uh, it's not difficult to see. You can walk into a supermarket and see now there's an array of plant-based meats there. Supermarkets don't put it out there because they believe in it. Supermarket doesn't believe in a product. They see the demand and then they supply the demand. So we're seeing plant-based meats occupying space inside the meat aisle. We're seeing plant-based meats occupying space in the dairy aisle, which is next to the hummus and the vegan cheeses and the vegan mayos. There's always a section that's the dairy. That's the dairy case. That's what they call it. Um, and then we're seeing freezer space opening up for more plant-based meats. We as a company get these opportunities all the time you know, to list new products, bring new products to market. And so there is a global shift happening and it's happening at quite a rapid rate. I don't have all the data off the top of my head, but in Australia, I think we're seeing an upward of about 20% of people starting to associate themselves with either vegetarianism, flexitarianism, meat reductionism. So 
So this is happening. And Australia is a very meat-eating culture, very strong meat-eating culture. So the shift is happening. It will continue. This is not just a fad. This will continue to grow. It's not a fad. So it's not like a diet that you do. It's a way of life. It's more than just a diet, what you put on your plate. And uh, well, look, I've made those decisions myself. I know that your foods are sumo salads, that you guys have, have got your foods in. And I was queuing up behind two people and they could have put the meat on it, but they chose to put your product on it instead. So I think people generally do want to do the right thing and they think, oh, if it's healthier and it's going to, you know, that whole double bottom line type idea, then they probably are going to make the right decisions. As you said, as long as it's not completely cost prohibitive, which is the biggest challenge, isn't it? And again, I, I genuinely believe it's a lot cheaper the way that the system is currently set up people to eat unhealthily, which is a tragedy. But people have to rearrange, as you say, their priorities in life and say, well, if it is a little bit more to make sure I'm putting the right things in my body, then that's just a cost that I have to find until the system fixes itself and actually makes yeah. the healthy stuff much more available to everybody. Well, you choose. Either you spend the money now on your health or you spend the money later on pharmaceuticals to keep you alive. So I know that's putting it very bluntly, but you've got to make that choice. I buy only organic fruits and vegetables. Where And I, again, I've investigated which fruits are actually sprayed and which vegetables are actually sprayed. And there are others that are not sprayed. So you don't have to buy everything organic because some things are naturally organic. And I choose to spend more money there. I choose to be using certain supplements, which I know will benefit us in the long run. I choose to eat plant-based. I make those choices because I don't want to be an older person with some chronic lifestyle disease living on some pharmaceutical drug, which is costing me more. And so I, I'd rather spend the money now. And that's a decision you've got to come to. It's like, I'm going to avoid the cheap and nasty packaged stuff. I'm not going to just buy my children cheap packaged stuff. I'm going to spend a little bit more time. I'm going to allocate time on my Sunday to prepare healthy food for my family. I'm going to batch cook if that's because I'm, I'm also, we all have the excuses. I'm also a busy person, but I have my fruits and vegetables delivered in a box from local farmers. I bring it into my house and I prepare it on a Sunday. It takes me maybe two hours on a Sunday when other people are watching TV, but for the rest of the week, we've got healthy food. I don't have to worry about it. It's then easy. You know, I've always got a black bean chili in the fridge. I've always got some stuff in the freezer. I've got some healthy treats for my kids. It requires just a bit of discipline, just a little bit of, maybe a little bit of extra money, maybe not. You can also buy grains very cheaply, legumes very cheaply as well, and eat a very healthy diet on a very tight budget. So it doesn't always require extra money, but it does maybe require a little bit extra time and discipline to implement it because change is difficult it's not change is not easy to take the way you used to eat and change it i mean they say that people usually only make five recipes ever over and over again same five recipes that's how we live we just like we do what's the easiest thing to do it's part of least resistance maybe you need to learn a vegan recipe just learn one and make that and then introduce a new one and then make that and slowly change. You don't have to do it overnight. It's not something that you've got to do by tomorrow. It's something you just do over time. And in regards to what the near future looks like for fries, um, how's that looking for you over the next few years? I know that you've just uh, had some big news in the last couple of months. Yeah, so um, fries have joined forces with the Live Kindly Company. And the Live Kindly Company are essentially a group 
of plant-based food companies that sits under the Live Kindly umbrella. Uh, we also have a media company under that umbrella. And uh, we own the entire uh, value chain from the seed and the growing of the seed to distribution channels. So we are the only now plant-based food company in the world that operates the entire value chain. And so that gives us the opportunity to scale uh, very quickly, to scale the business and scale the product very quickly. So it's very exciting times. It was necessary for us to take that step. Uh, we're still very much involved as a family in the business and the, the decision-making for our business. So values are intact, ethics are intact. We're with a group of people that have the same value system. So it's pretty easy to keep that. You know, it's not like we were joining a different corporate or even a meat company. We've joined like-minded companies. Um, so it's exciting times for sure. Uh, I think that we're going to see some great growth from the Fry Family Food Company, but still maintain the ethics we have as the family brand and eventually reach all corners of the globe. I've got no doubt that you will, especially with your passion and enthusiasm, Tammy. That's probably all we're going to have time for today. And I'm sorry what we didn't do is go through the story of yourself and Fry's. I know you were born into this, basically, and for this, but... Um, it's a common question we get on the interviews and I know it's available on the various um, sites that, that you're attached to. But look, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to know you and have you uh, within my community, Tammy. And uh, I genuinely believe that people like you will affect change in the world and that you will help other people to do the same, even if it's in a smaller way. And thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us today. And, and I think at the moment with COVID-19, uh, redefining so many things about ourselves, how we look at ourselves, how we interact with people, potentially what we are consuming, let's hope that there's some good that can come out of a terrible situation. Absolutely. And thanks, Ollie. And thanks to everyone who listened. If, if you listen to the end, I'm, uh, you know, really honoured. <laughs> and um, I hope that it's made, even if it's just one person, uh, you know, just think about things and please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, you'll find me on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, you know, reach out if you've got any questions, if this is something you want to pursue, but you're not sure how we've got so many resources. Um, Fries have got heaps of free resources and recipe books and you know, beautifully photographed ways of, of easily converting a meat dish to a plant-based dish and um, without making it difficult. So if, Please reach out, ask the questions. You know, this is something we love doing. This is just, you know, our passion. So the more questions you ask, the better it is. So thank you very much. And uh, thanks, Ali. Thanks, Tammy. And thanks to everybody for listening and watching for this show of the Outback Incubator, the future of work, industry, and people. Uh, you can, as always, listen on Spotify and on Apple iTunes. Uh, and you can find all the videos on this YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe, and we will see you next time. Thank you.